episode of the Growing Phase podcast. My name is Rick McClatchy. I'm your host today. As in many other days, I know you're shocked. You're shocked. Just take a moment, take a deep breath, let the shock wear off. And uh, we're going to dig in today to another step in the process of having a conversation about spiritual formation. Uh, Often it's said that the first step in knowing God is to first know yourself. I know that can be kind of a tricky way to put it because how do we know ourselves? maybe outside of knowing God? And so I think it's probably like walking, how you're never like fully balanced. You know, you're, every step you take means you're leaning one direction, um, yet you have to continue on that journey. You're learning more about God. You're learning more about yourself. The more you learn about yourself, the more you're able to learn about God. Uh, because your perspective gets clearer and all those kinds of things. And I know right now you're thinking, gosh, Rick, you're kind of confusing. I sure hope you brought someone else in to help us understand this topic better. And you know, I had a feeling this might happen. And um, in order to pare down the level of awkwardness, I've invited my friend Sue uh, to come in and join us once again. She was here last week as we began the process of talking about the whole concept of spiritual formation. And so, um, so we're going to talk today about the process of knowing yourself. So Sue, welcome in. How are you today? Doing great. Thanks. Glad to be here. So glad that you have carved time out of your schedule to be here and um, for really just sharing your, your journey, your heart, um, what you've invested yourself in and learning um, to, to benefit me personally. I always grow from these conversations, but also, you know, for our listening audience as well, I think, uh, I think they're all, I think, I think they probably really enjoyed last week and and they're ready to hear again. Um, So as we dive into this topic of knowing yourself, um, we, we've carved out three words that kind of represent the bulk of, you know, the thoughts we wanted to share today, obviously not exhaustive, but um, so why don't you just uh, set the table for us a little bit? What are those three words? And what would be kind of your just really quick overview of what you would like to cover today? Sure, thanks. Um, knowing self, obviously, um, could t- it takes years and it takes our lifetime. And, th- and that's always the goal is to be digging in to know who you are um, all the time. Because we grow, we change, life changes us, um, and we become different people as we continue to know who we are. So as we talk about knowing self, the couple things to just that we wanted to touch on today is just who we talk about who we are, what our stories are. So how do we tell people who we are? What do we believe, what we truly believe about ourselves? Um, the tools that can help us learn about, a little bit more about ourselves. And then um, the hard part of growing is doing the work around your shadow work, which is kind of more like, I think of it, your unconscious stuff that you carry around um, and what's there that needs to be addressed and healed. It's good stuff. Um, all right, so... Let's just dig right into that first word, stories. Um, so why don't you kind of uh, walk me through, what, it, what does that mean, um, stories? How does that apply to knowing yourself? And, and let's just kind of dig into that. I, I'm very curious. Yeah, absolutely. People love stories. We all love stories. We love to tell stories and we love to listen to stories. And so when you talk about stories as far as knowing yourself, we all have a story that we carry around with us. Um, In the church world, we call it our testimony. Um, But in the real world, we call it a story. Who are we? Where do we come from? Um, Who do we believe that we are? But as you think about your story and as you tell your story, you're using words that are describing who you are. Um, and where you've come and and things like that. And so as you start to pay attention to your story and you actually drill down into the words that you used and you look at the words, what kind of story are you telling about yourself? Are you telling the truths about who you are, the lies about yourself? We often pick up things that other people say about us and we build them into our stories. And oftentimes they're not necessarily true. They may not be who we really are. Um, So as you start to explore your story, you start to pick apart, like, what is true about my story? And what have I believed that is not true about my story that came into my life through a different source, came into it from other people, my experiences? And so starting to understand who you are from your story allows you to create the story of who you want to be and where you want to go with your life. I think that's so good because I think one of the goals of this whole process is that we would be healthy, right? Like... um, spiritual formation the idea is that we go from whatever the heck we are right now 
um, to a healthier, better version of who kind of, I think, I think in Christian con context, it would be okay to say the better version of us, the, the God ordained version of us, the less, you know, marred and scarred by sin version of us. And so um, anytime we want to go on a journey, uh, it's not good enough just to know where you want to go, but you have to know where you are. Um, it's like when you go up to the map of the, the big giant mall or the, the park where you're going on a great hike, um, you look for the X on the map that says you are here so that you can orient yourself to, okay, now I see where the map says I'm supposed to go and I see based on where the X is that, okay, yeah, then I need to go right and then left and then five steps and, and you can map out your journey once you know those two pieces of information. Um, obviously, depending on how detailed the map is and you may have to make some course corrections and adjustments along the way. And I think that's kind of the story of our lives as well. We don't get the um, highly zoomed in version of the map, we get this uh, sometimes clouded view, I think. Um, sometimes that's because God wants us to take us one step at a time to maintain this dependence upon him in the journey and that we don't get so like, oh, I got this, don't worry. Um, but that we stay connected to him in the process because being connected to him is kind of the process, right? I mean, our relationship with him is kind of where it's at. So knowing ourself is part of identifying where in the world is that X on the map? Where am I right now? And so I love what you're saying about just understand, taking some time to understand what is the story that I tell about myself? Because it, it is, it's untrue to say that you have, that you don't. Mm -hmm. Because you're telling you, you know, and sometimes people call it, you're like your internal monologue, your internal mm -hmm. voice, your internal tape, eight track depends on how old you are yeah. it might be a cd player <laughs> who knows it might be an mp3 player i don't know um but we all have something going on in our head that is um our declaration of who we are and and it's so important that we measure that up against the word of god mm -hmm. what the word of god says we are in christ our true identity not the one that has been marred and scarred by sin and not the one that has been clouded, crowded, and confused. Thank you, Dr. Mark Jones. Uh, some of those words would totally be his. Um, I don't want to act like I just made that up, like I'm so clever. <laughs> um, so we want to get through the clouded, crowded, confused mess of the lies of the enemy that he tells us. And that's actually uh, where so much of his effectiveness in our lives come is when he tells us a lie and we go, oh, yeah. And then we just begin to build our life on that brick that, you know, we want to build our lives on the bricks of the truth of God's word properly applied in our lives. We've talked about that in some previous episodes. Um, but unfortunately, sometimes, you know, uh, Jesus said that he's the father of lies. His very language is lies. Like that's his native tongue. And so he's really good at it. He's really good at making lies that sound an awful lot like the true thing because that's the best lie, the best counterfeit is the one that sounds the most like the truth. So our first journey in this step is to really get that story out, right? Mm -hmm. yep. So that we can then take a look at the story. And so I think, what, what are some ways that you would use, and we're just talking super practical level. Yeah. What are some of the really practical things you would do or encourage people to do um, to get your story out to where it's like examinable. Yeah, absolutely. And I was just thinking as you were saying, the enemy tells us lies and we've made the enemy's job super easy. He tells us a lie once or twice and then we tell it to ourselves. He doesn't even need to do anything. He can sit back and be like, oh, she'll spin in that circle for a long time around that lie because everything keeps playing off of that. So um, for me, I think for stories, it's just is listening to how you talk and writing down the words that you use. What you find is that you use the same words repetitively, um, and they're not always the right words. They're not always true. Um, 
they they tend they can be lies. Other people will tell you as well. Um, I have a friend that always says to me, "Stop stop saying that you're speaking death versus life." Um, and we also we label ourselves right. Like there's labels in this world all over the place, and and whether they're right or wrong, but we tend to live into them sometimes instead of saying, "Okay, that's something, but it's not who I am." Um, versus taking that label on of who you are. So as you start to just write down your words, um, ask people as well to listen to how you speak about yourself um, and help the, and ask them to point out things where, no, that's not right, or, that's, or that is right, or, or this is true about you, and just start to use, and that's part of the reason why groups come into play as well, is that people can help you correct your story so that you're speaking truth, you're speaking love over yourself versus lies um, and, and all the things that the enemy tries to keep us in. So... I'm just going to be like a little bit, I don't know, devil's advocate or I don't know, something like that. And so sometimes when we begin to use this language of, um, you know, I want to speak life over myself. I want to, you know, make sure I'm thinking positively. There, there can be, um, because there are parts of the Christian world that, you know, have been labeled the, the prosperity gospel, health, wealth, and happiness. And uh, and, and part of that would be this name it, claim it thing. And they, they make their beginning point around the there's life and death and the power of the tongue. Now, the Bible says that. So it's true. Um, sometimes I think people maybe take it too far and they go a little crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so how would you maybe um, how would you kind of frame it in a little bit to help people understand what is it exactly or and it's hard to you know be super precise all the time but what do you mean by by that like uh, making sure that you're speaking life and not death in your situation how how does that play out how have you maybe if there's a simple example maybe even from your own journey where you've where you've made an adjustment in your own life i know i'm catching you off guard potentially (laughs) because You didn't know I was going to ask you for an example. Um, I, I think I have a couple of examples myself, if, if you'd like, rather punt it back to me. But um, you're my guest, so I'm going to give you the first crack at it. So what do you think about yeah. that? Yeah. Um, so, and this is a true life story of my friend that continues to say this. But um, ever since I've moved to Portland, it's been hard to find community in Portland. And so I will, and she's in Illinois, and um and I will always say, I just have no friends in Portland. And she'll be like, you need to stop speaking that. Um, because I do have friends. Um, and I have really good friends. But but when I say that, it's it's a different meaning of that I have struggled meeting people. And I take on like, it's because I can't be a friend or I'm not a good friend or anything like that. It's be- and that's what I believe. Um, and it puts me in the place of if, of forgetting that I have this great community because I keep getting in this circle that <clears throat> that I'm single, I'm alone, I don't have friends, da da da. And she keeps speaking and saying, "You you got to stop saying that because all you're doing is giving that power." And so that's what I mean by speaking life. It's not it's not oh name it claim it. It's um, it's watching your words of who you want to be. So when we say I can't, I don't. Um, those are changeable things um, because you're in control of those um, versus putting it out there of like, oh, I'm going to claim this as I'm going to have this. I'm going to um, interrupt you okay. um, merely because I risk forgetting what I wanted to say about that just to kind of capitalize on just excellent points that you just made. Um, and that'd be twofold. One would be the Bible says, you know, Jesus said it, it is out. Uh, well, somewhere it says, I'm going to be like Paul. And somewhere someone said, uh, you know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Um, and so when somebody calls you, it's so good that you have a friend that's willing to call you on your stuff. And so when words are coming out of your mouth, it's representative of what is living in your heart. It's mm-hmm. It's an opportunity. It's one of those times where you see the symptoms of what's going on deeper down inside. And also it, it frames it, what you say frames your perspective, which then frames your approach. Um, just like so many of the conversations in our in our culture right now about, you know, our, our racial tensions or even about the coronavirus and COVID-19 and all of this stuff is 
how you speak about a certain situation represents kind of the perspective that you approach the situation with, which may or may not set you up for success. Mm -hmm. And it also helps you understand if you are agreeing with the word of God. And the Bible also tells us very clearly that um, our hearts are desperately wicked. Who, who can know your heart? And so I love that you've already jumped in on the small group bandwagon in this conversation. It's so critical to be able to, um, to be in a, in a group where you have authentic relationships. And that's, that's kind of the key. We can't just do it to be social. It's not good enough just to have somebody to shoot pool with. It has to be somebody that you're willing to actually connect with, actually have those meaningful conversations, actually sharing your stories with one another so that your story can be heard by someone else. Because usually that's where the wrong things, Mm -hmm. the, the challenging parts of your story are most identified is when somebody outside of your little emotional circle um, hears it and they go, wait, wait a second, Sue, you're trying to tell me you don't have any friends. Last week we had a conversation and you mentioned these four people. Are you saying, you know, they're chop suey? You know, I don't know, like, they, like what, they don't exist? And, um, and sometimes, and that's really where I'm talking about the perspective thing. It's like lenses that we put on that then cloud every single thing that we look at when we go, wait a second, actually, that's not, that's not really true. Mm-hmm. I may feel that way sometimes, but if I'm really honest, it's not true. And it's kind of mean, you know, it's kind of mean that I would disrespect that person or that person and all that they've invested in my life. And we, we actually discredit and we take value away from what other people have deposited in our lives. So I think that's a, I mean, I just think that's such a common, that's such a great example because it's so common. Um, and so the, my third point, even though I only said I had two points, <laughs> is the other part of that perspective is it can lead us into self-pity. Mm-hmm. And self-pity, uh, I'll just speak for myself, I think that it's a universal problem. Um, when I allow myself to um, play that, uh, that eight track, you know, <laughs> when I play that tape in my head and that self-talk and it's super negative, and it's not true. I'm believing some kind of lies about my life. And it causes me to then slide into this desperately pit of despondency. You know, it's like from Pilgrim's Progress, the slew of mm-hmm. despondency that I, and it's actually worse than despondency uh, because the game that my head plays when I go into a self pity mode is, you know what? I don't deserve to be treated like that. You know what? I deserve to feel good. And then you uh, insert whatever, whatever, you know, your thing is, your vice is that helps you feel better about that situation. And so um, that's why, so out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it helps us understand what's in our heart. Um, How is it framing your perspective? And then is your perspective leading you to a place of self-pity? And uh, maybe you're living there. Maybe you've put pictures up on the wall in the place of self-pity. Maybe that's I mean, shoot, it's an easy place. It's an easy place to be. It's so comfortable. <laughs> yeah. And that's so. why Satan has it easy, right? Because we go there ourselves. And we we, we just tell work. our, we do all the work and he just sits back and moves on to somebody else. Because yeah. he's like, oh, she's doing her spin around. She's all feeling all this and that. And it's easy for him. Yeah. And sometimes then he's like, yeah, you're over there talking about all this spiritual warfare you're in the middle of. He's like, <laughs> I haven't touched you for weeks. You've been taking care of all of that yourself because you refuse to... Uh, crush the lies and believe the truth, walk yeah. in the truth. So, um, yeah. so awesome. I, I love that whole picture of the stories piece. Um, so then, and we've talked a little bit, you know, about tools, but mm-hmm. now more specifically, just in this process, as we dig into the whole idea of knowing ourselves that we might better know God, um, what are some of the tools that you've used or been kind of exposed to that have really helped you? Um, and then maybe what are some of the limitations you've noticed about those tools? Yeah, there's definitely personality tests out there that people can take. Um, the Enneagram is a big one right now. Myers-Briggs used to be a, a huge one and still is. Um, and they're great. They're, they'll give you a framework 
Um, but I'm, I'm, I struggle with personality tests, um, and I was very resistant to the Enneagram, but then in school they made me take it, so I did. Um, but just know that it's just a base. It's just a tool. It's not who you are. Um, a lot of people walk around, if you know the Enneagram, it's, I'm a type 2, I'm a type 5. That's not who you are. It's just a tool um, to be able to explore more so that you can understand yourself better as you grow closer to knowing um, Jesus. Um, and there's also spiritual gifts. There's um, who are you in Christ? What did Christ create you to be? What are your gifts? We all don't have the same gifts. And so understanding your gifts as well so that you can be used with those gifts. Um, but, it, you know, again, it's just use your group, use your friends to really help you figure out some of those things. Don't rely only on the personality test. And if you do the personality test, don't just stop there. A lot of people just stop there. They take it and go, I'm a two, and, and they accept that. And that goes back to what I said about, like, what stories are you telling yourself? Um, if you're not using it to grow, then it means nothing um, because it's just, it's a point in time. And as people grow, they get farther and farther away from being typed in a personality test um, because they're growing, they're becoming more rounded. Um, Whenever everyone always asks, like, who's famous, you know, who, what Enneagram type is so-and-so? And, and Jesus was all the types. That's the perfect whole, and that's what we want to strive to. And so don't stop at just knowing what your type is today. Continue to use that to grow um, and be a better self. I think that's a great point because um, some people, you know, they'll, they'll go, oh, Enneagram is stupid. You know, that thing doesn't help anybody. And I'm thinking, well... I don't know, like my wife and I learned a ton of stuff uh, from going through that information, um, not so that we can um, have a label and put it on our on our badge and, you know, <laughs> wear the label, but so that we can understand better what what the general framework of that person's brain, how they process information. And so then uh, when they're saying something or responding to a situation that's different than how I'm seeing it. A lot of times I'll know I'll know why she sees it different than me pretty quickly and it helps us relate together better. And then for myself, um, you know, we're gonna talk, the next word that we're talking about is shadows and shadow work um, and actually going through the Enneagram specifically actually helped me hmm. begin to identify what some of my shadow work needed to be because the Enneagram just kind of helped expose the way that my brain, because I like the Enneagram because it says, you know, hey, if you're a, if you're a two, but you're feeling, um, in, you're in an unhealthy place, mm -hmm. this is what that's going to look like. And then they say, and if, if you're a, if you're a two, that's just kind of in a normally kind of place, this is kind of what you'll look like. And if you're like really, really healthy and strong, this is, you know, when you're your best, this is what you're going to look like generally speaking. And I found that part of the Enneagram to be really, really helpful mm -hmm. because then I, I look at the bad stuff, if you want, if you will, if you want to call it the unhealthy stuff and I go, oh yeah, oh mm -hmm. yeah, I've definitely been there. <laughs> and maybe I'm right there on that little part right there. Uh, and then you can look at the, the kind of the medium and go, okay, nice. I, I got a few of those going on and boy, you know, I, I've dabbled in the really healthy stuff. That's good. And, and actually give you some like vision and and plans for how you can um you know it's not just where you are but kind of where you want to go and you can kind of map out that journey of how to get from one place to another so i love the point that you're making is it's uh it's an assessment but it's not the law it's not it's not the bible that's for darn sure nope um so you need to use it one in in congruency with the bible you know don't don't let it violate scripture in the way that you're using the tools, but also um, don't let it be the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords over your life. Use it as a tool to help you understand how you think, how you're, how you're operating. And you know what? If part of it doesn't agree, then let it go. Like say, oh, it says I'm this, but I'm not that. You know, as long as, as long as you got a friend that can be like, you're right, you're not that. And you're not just kind of self-deceived because we always have that possibility, right? <laughs> At least yeah. I do. I have that possibility. <laughs> so um, so you, you talked a little bit about Myers-Briggs. Mm -hmm. And then we've got the Enneagram. 
Um, what other what other tools have you used that you found to be really beneficial? Yeah, the other one outside of personality tests is the spiritual gifts. Is just realizing who you are and what your gifts are and how you were made uniquely and stuff. And so, that's always a great one to know where do I serve? How do I serve? How do I serve well? Where's the best of me that can come out as well? Um, so that's another tool that I've used. And I actually that one it seems to me more. Um, it's easier to identify because um, you find a lot of joy when you're serving in the right position, when in the right place. Whereas the, the personality tests, because there's the shadow work and stuff like that, we're often like, "Well, that's not me," and it really is. Yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. just one more thing on the enneagram: if people do take the test, like I took the enneagram test, and it totally typed me wrong. So it can type you wrong, and so that's why it's really important to really be willing to dig in and look at it. Nobody can tell you what you are. The tests aren't always accurate. It's really about you and your exploration, and that it's really important to just do that with God and just be like, is this really who I am? Is this where, where I really am at? So you're, that you can move forward um, from where you're at. But, um, but spiritual gifts are great, too. It's all ways of just figuring out who you are and how to know yourself better. Yeah, and I think um, just like the Enneagram, and you know, any real personality tests are best, 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 best understood in community. Mm-hmm. Um, to have other people, um, to be able to uh, confirm things that are challenging that you need to work on. Like, yeah, Sue, you, you really do need to work in that area, and that's okay. Like, we we love you. We love you just the way you are. But yeah, I mean, let's be real. But you, come on, you, you got room to work. You know, you got room to grow there. Um, but also the areas where maybe you're really awesome and you don't really, you're not good at admitting or being confident in the fact that, man, you're really awesome at that. To have somebody come along and say, no, no, seriously, Sue, you rock that. Like, you're so good in that area. It is a God-given strength. Uh, Spiritual gifts tests are best, best understood, best processed, and best utilized in the context of local church. Um, To have people in your small group community and also people that you've worked with and kind of for maybe let's say if you've been on a team where you've served a, a leader of a team um, to, for them to be able to go, yeah, that's totally a spiritual gift I see in your life. And how can we, how can we even set things up in your life to really see those things grow and, and mature that, that you'd actually get to a place. Maybe you're helping equip people that have some of those same strengths. So it, they're really, they're, they're, they're diagnostic analytical tools that are again I think kind of the whole thing that we're talking about here is identifying where in the heck is the red x on the map like where am I so that we can then talk about the where are you going Mm -hmm. and that is where God wants you to go how you get there um, all that kind of stuff because Man, it's so good. It's so good when you start to figure some of these things mm-hmm. out. Some of the things that you end up wrestling the most with begin to melt off and and begin to be less obstacles that I think really help deal with issues like uh, insecurity and comparison and um, and competition. As we begin to understand, no, Sue, like you're you're a lot different than me. You think a lot different than I do. I mean, we have a lot of similarities as well, um, which is kind of like, it's really, it's fun to work together because we have some things that we like, oh yeah, I love that stuff. Mm-hmm. And we want to really see that grow in, in our church and all that kind of stuff. But I'm so thankful for the different ways that your brain works compared to mine. And you're like, and I'm thankful that my brain works different than <laughs> yours too, Rick. I know. I, understand. I would never it's say that. Scary place to Never be. would no, say uh, that. So, um, but you begin to see some of the beauty of how God has put the body mm-hmm. of Christ together that it doesn't, it doesn't matter that, I don't know, I feel like, you know, it's one of those moments where I feel like somebody needs to hear this today. It doesn't matter if the things that you're good at or strong at are the things that feel like the things that are honored, that mm-hmm. are the things that are lauded and, and complimented and, and drawn to the front that does not matter. I know that it can feel really good to have people encourage that and say nice things about it. But the key is that everybody has a part to play in the body. And when everybody finds their place, 
the body's built up together in love. And that's a really beautiful place for the body to be. A less beautiful place is a bunch of people trying to fit into six different categories because apparently those six categories are the ones that are awesome. And, you know, let's be honest, the church as an organization at times is definitely guilty of over-complimenting, over-honoring, over-valuing certain positions. I know certainly our church, we've, we've worked really hard in the last couple of years to, to kind of stop doing that, mm -hmm. you know, like it's really easy to over-value, over-compliment and all of that kind of stuff, the stuff that happens on the platform. Well, it, those are all important roles, you know, good preaching, good worship, all that kind of stuff. Those are all super important things in the body of Christ. But are they the most important? Are they all important? No, like because the small group leader, the, the person that makes the coffee, the person that, you know, helps clean up after everybody, just all of the different roles in the body are important. And so God had to make us make us all different so that we would all be good at different things. And so sometimes, I don't know, that was a little bit of a soapbox. I have a little bit of journey there in the realm, <laughs> in the realm of insecurity and comparison and competition. Ugh, I'm a little bit competitive, so I definitely can fall into that trap all too easily. So, but you're the guest here today. Um, so we've talked about stories yep. and we've talked about some tools. Um, so we talked about uh, in the tools arena, we talked about some personality tests and some spiritual gifts tests. Um, are there any other categories of tools or anything that you've come across that um, you feel like would be worth throwing out there? Um, other than just, you know, again, journaling, being aware of your words, all the kind of stuff that we talked about in the stories um, is really important to to just start to understand what you think and what you feel and how you're, when your heart is. Because we can all think we know and we can all say we do, but when you really sit down and you get quiet um, and you really just spend time being quiet, um, that's when you really can kind of dig into what's going on internally for you and what do you really think and what do you really believe. Is you got to slow down to be able to do it. Yeah, and I think we're going to talk about that in another episode when we dig into some of the different mm -hmm. spiritual disciplines, practices. Um, so that'll be really good to come back to. So let's put a pin in that one. Yep. We'll come back to that. Um, so we've talked about stories, talked about tools, and then we mentioned at the beginning that we were going to talk about this concept of shadow work. Um, I, I think shadow boxing. No, like, I don't know. Like, what are what in the world are we talking about when we talk about shadow work? What's I know. It's like? a tough one. Um, it's probably the least fun of, of figuring out who you are. But shadow work, some people talk about it as the long bag. You think about it as what what's following you. So when you talked about where we are on our map of life, how did we get there? What was following us that we didn't even know that was following us? Um, and how is that played into who we are today? Um, so we all have different things that are within us um, from our experiences, our filters, how we've done life so far. But oftentimes we're not aware of them. They're not conscious to us. We're not like, oh, this is what's going on for me. We, we tend to, they tend to have made their way to work well in our lives and provide different things for us, but they're really not working well in our lives. But they're hard to change and they're hard to be aware of. And so when you think of them, the way to recognize them is when you're – one of the ways, a couple of the ways is to really think about when you're emotionally very strong, like when you have very strong emotions about something, whether it's a, it's a good emotion or a bad emotion. It tends to tell us that for some reason there's something internally going on with us when we have strong emotions. And again, some of it may be positive. Oftentimes it can be negative, especially if it's bringing up like guilt and shame and anxiety and all of that kind of good stuff. Um, so paying attention to that, paying attention to how your body feels um, when things are going on. Are you tense? Are you relaxed? Are you peaceful? Are you unpeaceful? When you look at those situations that you're in, you feel those things, you feel your body, you feel those emotions. If you stop and just think, what's going on with me internally? And that's probably pretty much the only question I always ask is like, huh, what's going on with me right now? What am I feeling why, and why is that? you can kind of get to some of the what, what's going on. And as you said earlier, God only reveals things to us as we're ready for them. 
And we can't take on everything at the same time. I can't be like, okay, God, show me all my unhealthy crap that I've brought from my my life. And let's heal. Oh, sorry. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, and help me heal from them. It's just one step at a time, and that's life. It's one step at a time, and so one thing at a time. And we're going to be doing this the rest of our life, um, because that's what life is. Is just is we have to continue to work towards who our best self could be. Man, that that is so good. God is so good. I just, you know, it feels good to pause just for a minute and just be so thankful for his grace and his mercy in how he deals with us, his patience, his perseverance, you know, the steadfast love of the Lord that never ceases. Uh, man, so good that he is that way for us. Um, but talking about shadows, um, I thought maybe practical example might be helpful. So um, I came prepared with an example um, in my own life. What is there? Is there a shadow that you've been able to identify in your life and do some amount of work on? And then if yes, how did you personally identify it? And then what was maybe your strategy for walking out some steps of growing in that area? I have so many shadows in my life. <laughs> I'm like, which story do I want to tell about myself? She's actually um, the shadow. You know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, I grew up in a family of five kids. Um, so all of you that have kids, my mom had five kids, and I was the last one, and um, my, the oldest was five. So she had five kids, five and under, at the same time. Wow. So she was a little busy. Um, Because most of us were in diapers at the same time. I mean, all of that kind of stuff. And what I realized through life was I had some feelings about that um, that were probably not very healthy um, about being the last and kind of how I grew up on that. And I had to work through, like I didn't really know it. I just kind of went through life just being annoyed um, because I always felt like it went to the self-pity, like I always got hand-me-down clothes. I always was the last one for this, I, you know, all that kind of stuff. And as I've grown into that and, and doing some studying on siblings, right? So where you are and the, there's books out there, obviously you can read of where you are. So I did some study on that. I did some studying just of, um, and I don't have kids, so I didn't know five and under. I said, what? That's easy. What's, what's the problem? <laughs> just kidding. Yes. Um, but just starting to do that work of like um, what that left me feeling, um, that really wasn't ever intentional in anything in my that my mom it was she had five kids five and under like who can survive that you know my dad worked full-time she didn't have nannies she didn't have daycare she didn't have any of that stuff she had five kids at home um and so the things that that left internally in me that was had nothing to do with my mom it's what i took on from that and how did i get those those lies out of who i was so that i could be truly who god created me to be versus living in the lies of what i thought um, was how I was how I grew up. We had uh, we had four kids, five and under. So uh, kudos to my wife. <laughs> uh, we started out with twins, so that was like a jump start on the whole uh, four at five and under. So um, so yeah, I'm thinking about my I'm thinking about my youngest daughter right now. Yeah, I better meet her and talk to yeah, her. <laughs> I'm like wondering what's going on in her head right now. Um, so she's a she's a super sweet girl. Um, so uh, it was probably about three years ago, maybe, I want to say that I actually heard this concept of shadows in leadership. I was out of the book, uh, Spiritual Healthy uh, Leadership, mm. or The Spiritually Healthy Leader. Uh, it's uh, Pete Scazzaro is the author. Um, I will do my best to put uh, a link to that book actually in the show notes, along with his other book, uh, Spiritually uh spiritually healthy, hmm, emotionally healthy spirituality. There we go. It's all coming back to me now. <laughs> um, so the emotionally healthy leader is, I think, the, the, the title I was looking for. Um, in that book, he talks about the shadows of leadership. And I was listening to a video presentation by him um, around the concepts in the book. And he started talking about this concept of shadows. And it was like the Holy Spirit just like pushed pause <laughs> on the video. I mean, I know the video was still going, but like I, all of a sudden I couldn't hear it anymore as he was talking about shadows 
and I began to, and he, he mentioned it, it can be in something that you're really strong at. Uh, and usually that's where the shadows come from is a strength. It's like the light of God has shown upon your life mm. in a particular area and like given you strength in an area. But the light of God hitting part of you in that process has created a shadow. So there's like this dark side, this dark potential behind that strength. And so a lot of times the best place to look for your shadows is behind a strength that you have. Mm. And um, are you operating in that strength in the best of intentions and in the best heart and the best motives? Mm. Interesting question to ask yourself. So in this process of learning who you are, ask yourself, what am I strong at? What are my gifts and talents and abilities that I can kind of pride myself in? And then begin to just look at them one by one. Mine, one of mine is, uh, and it would kind of flow with my Enneagram. I'm a two, uh, you know, I, I definitely, uh, it reads my mail. When, when you read the description of a typical two, it's like me uh, on steroids. You know, like, like, holy moly, that's so me, it's crazy. Um, and so one of the reasons why I found the Enneagram to be so helpful is because it, it like pinned me so well I was like, I should see what it has to say about being healthier, you know? And so, uh, but one of the things, is the two is the helper, uh, somebody that likes to serve and meet meet people's needs and that kind of thing. Um, And so I began to think about that strength and um, being a a pastor in our church. I'm telling you, I got opportunities to serve people constantly, Um, but I also have opportunities to serve my family constantly. Um, and so there are times where, because I love serving people, I find it to be very fulfilling. Um, I found that the, the dark side of the shadow that I have to deal with is my need, my desire for affirmation. Um, one of my love languages would be words of affirmation. I really appreciate people telling me when I'm doing a good job periodically maybe more often than periodically. Like I would frequently go to my bosses at work and be like, hey, uh, I don't mean to be high maintenance, but I need you to check in with me every once in a while and let me know how you think I'm doing. Because if you don't tell me, I will assume I'm doing a terrible job. I will hate my job and I will quit my job. (laughs) Uh, Something along those lines, uh, just to communicate how I kind of operate. Anyways, so I I have this um, hunger if you will, in my heart for affirmation. And so this is where the shadow can come mm-hmm. in because Jesus wants to come and be my affirmation mm-hmm. because in Christ I'm loved, I'm accepted, I am good to go. So I really can just operate in faithfulness and obedience to him and know that in him I'm fully loved and accepted if I can live there. But my humanity at times sometimes it's more than you'd like it to be, um, gets really uh, insecure and hungry for some affirmation. And so what you can then do is lean your strengths towards areas where you will get more of the affirmation. For me, it's affirmation. For other people, it's other things. Um, And so uh, this story is taking longer to tell than I wanted to. But so what can happen sometimes is that I could then choose to serve someone that I know is more likely to give me words of affirmation, to make me feel good about myself, even though the serving of that person um, might cause me to sacrifice something that is actually more valuable. And I know that's, that's a hard thing to say when you're talking about another person because every person is incredibly valuable. But when you have somebody in the, in the church maybe that has a situation that is not an emergency. It could be helped one by somebody else or two um, tomorrow. Um, but I help them in the moment right away because that's what I want to do. I want to serve this person. I want to meet the need. And those are all good things. But sometimes I would be saying no to my kids. I'd be saying no to my wife. I'd be saying no maybe to a whole family thing, whether it's just being less emotionally present or whether it actually was like I physically had to go somewhere, either of those things cause, you know, a certain dynamic to happen. So 
Um, because I don't know if you have ever noticed this, but dads and moms, you know, you don't get a lot of accolades for doing your job. Like, hey, great job, dad, for being my dad. You know, like, uh, you know, maybe on your birthday and Father's Day, you know, you might get like, hey, you're a great, no, I have awesome kids and they're really good about being appreciative and stuff. And so, but in general, like, hey, you, uh, you helped me with my homework that might be like, hey, thanks. And that's about it. But they won't be like, oh, dad, you're the best dad that's ever dadded ever in the world, you know? Um, But you help somebody in the church in a situation that's like, feels like a crisis. And uh, well, and there's like, oh man, you're such a wonderful pastor. You're so, thank you so much for helping me, you know? And it's a trap. It's mm-hmm. a it's part of the shadow and it can cause you to make decisions that are not the best. It's not healthy. So your life gets a little imbalanced because you're living in the shadow and not in the light. And so I guess that would be my my best yeah. personal example is that I had to go, "Whoa, that's why I make some of those decisions." And I wow, I do not want to be serving people out of this horrible, yucky, self-centered motivation. Like, oh, Lord, Jesus, please help me. Help me work through that and help me figure out what what's the right solution there. And most of the time it's getting other people involved and, you know, helping equip other people to be able to be the church and all that kind of stuff rather than crowding it all to myself to be able to take on you know, so that I will get the affirmation and nobody else or whatever. So, um, so that would be my kind of my personal journey through shadow work or like one little, one little snippet of it. Yeah. I love that you brought in, um, the love languages. Cause I love the love languages. Like I huge believer in those. And I, it'd be interesting to see because when you're talking about affirmation and a helper, they play off of each other, right? You help, you get affirmation, you need affirmation, you help. And so it'd be interesting to see if anyone ever has done a study between Enneagram, what the Enneagram types are and what people's love languages mm-hmm. are and how they relate to each other. Um, so that's really interesting. That'll be your thesis. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, that's really fascinating because I do like the I do like the love languages. I do feel like I do need to give you affirmation or something now though. Because <laughs> yeah, you're an affirmation like, person. Great job. I know. There. I'm gonna so put that on my list. Exactly. Rick M at Manhattan Church so that I can keep doing this. No. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No. So um, awesome. Well that's been uh, Great. So just talking about knowing yourself and in the journey of knowing yourself, we talked about um, understanding and hearing your own story. Like what story are you telling about yourself? And in analyzing that story, what's true and what's lies? And then what can you do and who can you be around that will help you identify the parts that are lies that can help you root out the lies and actually help you affirm more of the truth? in your story so that you begin to see those as more prevalent in your story. Then we talked about the tools. Um, Remind me again, all the different tools that we've talked about. Enneagram, Myers-Briggs. We also brought in the love languages, spiritual gifts and journaling. So those are all great tools. And again, we'll talk more about some of those tools as we dive deeper into some of the spiritual disciplines and practices in another episode, just in this whole spiritual formation journey. And then lastly, we talked about shadow work. And I think uh, with our, both of our personal examples, and then just kind of talking through some of that, I feel like that's a pretty good picture of how, how to begin to identify shadows. One, just recognizing that they might exist is a great first step because I never, uh, before I heard that, I just never gave it any thought. And now I think about it a lot. Like, why am I making this decision? Why am I, you know, executing this plan in my strength? Am I doing it from a right place? What are my motivations? And, you know, the word of God is very interested in um, cutting down into the depths of our motivations and our, our heart level. Like God is not just interested in your behavior. He's interested in your heart. And that's where getting to know yourself is such a big part of this process, because the more that we understand our heart, the more that we're able to partner with the Holy Spirit 
in getting those parts of our heart that are desperately wicked cleaned out and healed and made whole. And so, uh, man, God is good. You know, like that is such a, a powerful truth to understand in this journey. So, um, Sue, so good. Thank you so much yeah, for spending absolutely. the time. We've talked about knowing God through our stories, uh, knowing ourselves um, so that we might better know God through our stories, through all the different tools that we've talked about, and then our shadow work. Um, great stuff to kind of chew on. I hope that it's been a blessing to you today. Um, if you'd like, you can send me any feedback, um, affirmations, of course, uh, to rickm at manorhouse.church. I'd love to hear from you. And any ideas for future episodes? And I'm going to bring Sue back for a couple more episodes as we just continue to dig into a few more topics in the whole realm of spiritual formation because our heart certainly, uh, as we want to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry here at the Growing Faith Podcast, um, building the person first <laughs> is a big part of equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. You need to be healthy and strong and genuinely spiritually formed. You need to be on that spiritual journey in order to help lead other people. And, and we know God has a call on your life to be a disciple maker. And so we need to first be disciples. And that really is this process of spiritual formation. So with that, Sue, any final parting words you'd like to say to the audience today? No, thank you for having me. And just enjoy, again, I'll say it every week probably, just enjoy it. This all is to just to really enjoy who you are, who God has created you to be, and stepping more into who God created you to be. And, uh, and as you get to do that and you become more comfortable and less fretting, and you begin to actually rest in his presence in, in a place of peace, you actually get to know who he is better. And that's where the real uh, joy and transformation in life happens is as we are most, uh, I love, uh, I think John Piper's, as we are most satisfied in him mm -hmm. is when God is most glorified. And so it's a beautiful, beautiful uh, way that cycle that God has brought together. Like as you understand who God is and, and are most at peace in his presence and, and you are most satisfied by who he is, he is most glorified because people will see that. They will see the righteousness, peace, and joy in your life, in the Holy Spirit. And they'll go, wow, what is that? I need some of that. Where does that come from? And we get to show people the way and God is glorified in our lives. So with that, thank you so much for being a part and uh, go, um, go enjoy the journey of growing in relationship with God in understanding how he has made you and how that is meant to impact the world around you. With that, God bless you and have the most amazing day.